Today's reading is from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 3 through 8. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O Motril, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today is the third in a six-week series on the prophets, where you will hear from six different pastors reflecting on one of their favorite prophets and what their meaning is for us today, so many years later. In the last two weeks, you have heard about Jeremiah and Daniel. When given the choice, I immediately jumped on for one of my favorites, the prophet Micah, our prophet for the third week. Micah appeals to me because he is a classic example of God choosing to work through ordinary people and has amazing courage to speak out and to speak truth to power with words so profound they are quoted in the New Testament. Micah, found near the end of the Old Testament, is sometimes, along with Hosea and Amos, called the major minor prophets. Minor because their books are pretty short. Uh, with uh, Micah, it's six chapters, ten pages. Actually, seven chapters, ten pages, in my Bible. But major because their words, Micah's words, speak to us today and are just as relevant as so many years ago. Micah packs a lot into seven chapters, ten pages. So who was Micah? We know little about Micah, whose name is who is like the Lord. He lived in a small village in Judah called Moraseth in the southern kingdom sometime in the 8th century BCE. Unlike many prophets such as Jeremiah, there is no dramatic recorded call from God to take on the role of a prophet a task neither always popular nor safe. We are told only that the word of the Lord came to him, and he understood his task to be preacher of truth. It is that thought that might come into your mind sometime. You see a need, and you speak out, you do something. Micah thus knew it was his role to expose injustice and inequality, and to then offer a word of hope and salvation to make known a vision of a new and transformed way of life for his community and the world. His words show disdain for how the common good of his time was being ignored by the courts, the large landowners, and the merchants with disregard for the tenets of the Torah. He foresaw the Assyrian 
invasion that would leave many cities in his area in ruin. He knew that the consequences of spiritual bankruptcy are personal ruin and the breakdown of community. He told the unvarnished truth. Micah declared that Jerusalem would be plowed like a field and the Temple Mount would become a wooded height. A man of courage speaking unpopular truth. But like most prophets, Micah's word of doom and suffering was not his overriding message. In the midst of all the bad stuff, the key is the word of hope and salvation. That our God is merciful and will exercise justice for the sake of all people with a steadfast love that bound God and Israel together and us in a covenant relationship. Even so, like many prophets, his words were not readily accepted, and his friends told him, Oh, shut up, Micah, and rejected his message. What do they say? A prophet is without honor in his own country. Perhaps these words from so long ago have special meaning for us today. Who would have thought when we celebrated the incoming New Year 2020 that we would experience a pandemic of COVID-19 that would have, such, would have such an impact turning our lives upside down. That the death of yet, a, of yet another black man at the hands of the police would lead to a crusade, Black Lives Matter, that has plagued this nation. And then of course, if that were not enough, our forests catch fire and fill the air with smoke, sending us back inside. And last but not least, we face an election that tends to be divisive and full of rancor. For in the midst of all these challenges, Micah has words, a vision for true peace and justice. That is what is so refreshing about Micah and many of the prophets. He has words, a vision for true peace and justice, with his warning against unjust exploitation by the wealthy and powerful, and he provides us with a roadmap. Micah does so by using the setting of a courtroom and a covenant lawsuit by God against an ungrateful people. God through Micah acts as a plaintive witness, putting forth the charge against his people. God cites his acts of bringing them out of Egypt and protecting them from the leaders of Moab and other saving acts followed by a list of their wickedness and evil deeds. Greed, oppression, land monopoly by the very rich, with special criticism for the leaders, with a special word for those prophets who are preferred to those telling the truth. He foreshadows the Assyrian invasion and resultant exile. Micah speaks then on behalf of the community with questions. Well, God, if all this is gonna happen, what could we have done? Burn offerings? Sacrificed our firstborn? How will we please God? What does it take to live up to God's expectations? When we fail, what do we do to make it right? God's response is one I think that most of you have heard many times, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, but to do justice and love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah responds with a lament of a person who feels alone and abandoned as he undertakes, undertakes the task of finding good, 
but ends, and this is really important, with a statement of hope, petition, and confidence on behalf of the community. It is a prophecy of restoration, forgiveness, faithfulness, and compassion. As God will destroy the chaff in our souls, casting out all our sins into the depths of the sea. These words of justice, kindness, humility are now classic in social justice circles as it indicates what God expects of us. To do justice. We tend to think of justice in our society today as primarily punitive or criminal justice. However, the Bible did not think in terms of criminal behavior. I suggest that here the Bible is referencing a society as it should be, economic justice, where everyone has enough and no one too much. All have the basics of life without fear of being homeless, hungry, without access to medical care, education, a community, be it family or friends, a church, a faith, and most of all, a dignity that cares for them as individuals, a purpose. That was the concern of Micah. As we have evolved over the centuries, this definition of justice reflects these ideals that are included when we pledge the allegiance to our flag, when we say one nation under God with liberty and justice for all, or the preamble to our constitution in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. To love kindness. On the surface, this seems pretty simple. A covenant love reflected in love and respect. To whom and how? I suggest that it is to be selfless, compassionate, and merciful. It is to suffer with, to feel the other's pain. The greatest power revealed in practice to our enemies and amongst the least of those in our society. To love your neighbor, to show kindness to everyone. A perfect example of biblical kindness would be Jesus, a model for us of what this would look like, where all are welcome. And it is the group of the women at Holy Spirit who provide meals at the local women's shelter and those who daily pick up the phone and call others so they will feel cared for and not forgotten. It is the work big and small that so many of you do to help those who do not have the basic necessities of life, food, shelter, employment, someone who cares, who cares for others. It is sharing a table at our Tuesday community supper and listening to the stories with compassion, which means to suffer with, to those who are so much in need. And last, humility. Walking humbly with God is perhaps our greatest challenge. A humble walk of, with God is a walk of reverence and awe across our planet, being attuned to and learning from the divine spirit. That is the heart of all. To be humble means to resist the tendency to be arrogant or overconfident. It means spending time, real time, listening, truly listening to others. It is to practice mindfulness and focus on the present. It is to be grateful for what we have, ask for help when we need it, to seek feedback from others on a regular basis, and review our actions against the language of pride. 
to walk humbly with God, to love kindness and act justly. They are words to live by. So many of you do. It is a way to promote the common good, not only in our families, in our community, and also our world. Loving God, loving neighbors, and humility are at the center of Micah's message. The prophet Micah has a powerful and hopeful ending. After God lists all the ways the people fall short and gives a grim judgment, Micah responds on behalf of the community with a confession of faith in God, saying, But for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. And in a whisper, my God will hear me. An image of a loving and forgiving God. A realization that God's compassion actually arises from his justice. Hence, God's call to us to play our part in God's mission in the world as a call to others, to us, to do God's justice in order to put things right in our relationships with each other. For the reality is that we are all wounded in some way. We are both wheat and chaff. This makes it possible to see it in others. It helps us to be honest, admit our own insecurities as we see it in others. It means for us to be ever conscious to do what Jesus was constantly doing, bringing those in need who are often outcast and maltreated in our society into the circle of belonging. This is the work of our refugee committee, walking alongside our Afghan family as they navigate these past months of pandemic and fire smoke. It is the work of our racism task force, our social justice committee, as we confront the ways of injustice that many of us do not see. All would welcome your involvement and support. In this and other ways, members of this congregation have reflected the words of Micah, to do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with our God. I close with the words of Hetty Hillison, a young Jewish woman who suffered much more injustice in the concentration camps than most of us who will ever know, who wrote, There is a really deep well inside me, and in it dwells God. Sometimes I am there too, and that is all we can manage these days, and also what really matters, that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves. Let it be so. Amen.